Well, I have a story to share with you, and five seconds before I came up here on stage, I approved it with my wife, so because it's about her. Um, this is actually uh, my mother's favorite story every time we're with someone. She's like, tell her the one story. Tell them the story about Carolina. So uh, I want to share a little personal story of me and Carolina in our few first months of marriage. So... <clears throat> Carolyn, we typically go to bed at the same time at night, or at least we try to, but many months ago, or a few months of the first few months of the marriage, uh, Carolina went to bed before me, and I was doing something on my computer in the living room. And I needed some password or some piece of information that Carolina knew, some date or something, I can't remember. But I needed something from Carolina, and she had just gone to sleep about 10 minutes before. And one of the things I learned about Carolina is she's a very light sleeper. You know, you open the door, she's like, what, what? I'm like, just, no, just the door. Like, I'm, go back to sleep. So like, some people, like, you open the door and throw water on them, and they're like, still out. They're like, <gasps> you know, they're just, they're just done. She's not like that. So I come into the room, open the door, say, hey, Carolina, I mean, this is 10 minutes. I know she's still up. Um, and she sleeps like this, too, like on her stomach. So she's like, we're total opposites. I sleep on my back. This is irrelevant, but I'm sharing it anyways now. <laughs> and she sleeps on her stomach, so we're both, think we're both weirdos, but this is how it goes. And uh, I go, Carolina, hey, do you know the password for the TV, for Hulu or whatever? I, I can't remember what it is. Can you let me know what it is? No response. Maybe she didn't hear me. Carolina, hey, sweetie, I love of my life. What's the password for Hulu? I'm trying to watch some program real quick before I go to bed. Do you know the password? No response. I know she heard me that time. Time three, Carolina, hey, real quick, I know you can hear me in there. What's the password for Hulu? I'm trying to get it. This goes on, no kidding, like five, six, like seven attempts, and Man, I, like I said, I'm a project under construction. I'm getting more aggravated the more that she's not responding to me because I know that she's awake. Like, I'm 100% sure that she's awake. And so I'm like, Carolina, Carolina, respond to me. Like, hey, where's Hulu? Like, I know you can hear me. Like, if you weren't up now, like, now you can for sure hear me. Like, you're up. No response. Seven times go by. And I'm like, blood's pumping now. I'm like, this, I'm looking at a body that's just not responding to me. <laughs> and and um, I find Carolina, and she finally goes, she finally goes up, what? Then you almost don't want to ask at that point, right? <laughs> what? I was like, it wasn't even about the password anymore, right? Married people, you know. It was like the password wasn't even on the table anymore. I didn't even care about Hulu anymore. Now I was trying to figure out why she was ignoring me, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, you know, like, why were you ignoring me? Like, I know you could hear me. Like, I know for sure you were awake. Like, I know you now. And she goes, um, she goes, I was sleeping. And I go, wait a minute, so you're saying you didn't hear me? And she's like, oh, no, I heard you. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean that you're sleeping then? I said, you know, you, that's like you were just ignoring me. Like, if you heard my, if you're literally telling me you heard my voice, she said, well, I heard you, 
but my eyes were closed, so I was sleeping. <laughs> we had a good discussion after that for about 10 minutes about what sleeping constituted and what sleeping didn't constitute. You know, to bring this full circle to us, I was thinking that sometimes we are sleeping spiritually. And sometimes God is persistently calling upon us, and sometimes we are just spiritually not able to hear him, and sometimes even worse, we're ignoring God. And God is really wanting to get through something in your life that is so important. He sees something in our heart that he wants to have a breakthrough. Or he's trying to wake us up kind of from a spiritual slumber. He sees where we are and he sees where we could be or where we have been. And he's trying to wake us up and he's calling your name. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention. And yet sometimes we are either unable to hear God or he's ignoring us. But God is persistent. Amen. God is persistent, and when God wants to get a hold of us, it may not be the first or the second time. God may throw an attempt or this person in your life or this situation, but when God wants to get a hold of you, let me tell you this, he will get a hold of you. As God is shaking us this morning, this is in a series, we're not in a, 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 like a, a verse by verse or chapter by chapter series like we just came out of Ezekiel, but we are actually in a moment called what we call as a church, a prophetic pause. This is a moment for us, uh, specifically locally, to be able to share some truth that we feel like God is putting upon our heart for this local Midway family here. Amen. And so this is a passage that God personally has been convicting me over. God personally has been correcting me. God personally has been waking me up out of my slumber with this passage. And I want to bring this passage to you. It's the only place in the four Gospels you find it in is in Luke chapter 10. Pastor Mike highlighted it uh, last week, and this has everything to do, listen, waking up out of a spiritual slumber has everything to do with the right priorities. Every time we jump into the new year, we always want to try to reorder our priorities, make sure that the right things are in the right place, because all of us are juggling so much in our lives but God says there are some things that are more important to others, and if you have those out of order, your life will be out of order. Join me, Luke chapter 10, in this powerful passage in verse 38, where Jesus is going to talk to us about the right priorities, or the right priority more importantly. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 goes as the follows. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Say distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. If you're taking notes this morning, you need to wake up or reorder your life from a spiritual slumber or just because of this new season that you are in. Write this down. The right priority keeps the focus on what matters most. This story is all about priority, and it's two different examples of two different people, one who had the right priority and one who had the wrong priority. I'm glad that this is recorded, even if it's only one of the Gospels, because it has so much to do with our own personal walk and about what we value. See, our priorities are ordered in our life, or at least should be ordered in our life, based upon what we value. If you value going to the White Sox games, Cubs fans, bear with me. You may have a work event planned that day or a hobby or even a gym thing that you do, but if you're trying to get to the game and you really value the White Sox and you really want to be there, I bet you you'll push everything else further down the list because it's a priority to you because you value it. What we value, we give time to in our lives. If you don't value something, then you don't have time for it in your life. In this story, Jesus is traveling. He travels to a village that's about two miles away from Jerusalem. This passage doesn't name the name of the village, but we know from John that it was the village of Bethany. This is the home village of both Martha, who's character one in this story, Mary, character two, and the other person who's very famous, who you would be aware of, is Lazarus. Lazarus is their brother. He's not mentioned in the story, but obviously he has a huge story in the Gospels of being resurrected and taken from the dead by the power of Jesus. And so this is a family that Jesus is close to. He knows them. He's intimate with this family. He cares about this family. And so as he's Traveling on his journeys, he's healing people, he's sharing the good news, he's sharing the gospel and, and, and the truth of what God is going to do and what God is going to do through him. And Mary, I mean, and Martha invites him into her home. Let me say this and stop there really quickly. Jesus doesn't just want to be invited into your life. Jesus wants to do life with us. He doesn't want to just be invited into your home. He doesn't want to just, you know, have a cross in your bedroom there, Jesus. I got that wall for you right there. No, no, no. Uh, Jesus wants to not just be invited into your spirit, into your life, but Jesus wants to do life with you. He is a relational God, and he's always been that way all the way back since the Garden of Eden. We see that God walked with Adam and Eve. He's always been a God that values intimate relationships with his creation. And we've been made in his image. So one of those things that we represent as well is each and every one of us, even the most introverted of us in this room, are created to need, desire, and long for deep relationships. 
The most fulfilling relationship that any of us can ever have in this room is not one with a parent, is not one with a spouse, it's not one with a child, or even a grandchild, grandparents. The most deep, meaningful, life-fulfilling relationship that we can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with God the creator who knows you inside and out. By the way, he, he doesn't just know like your strength. He actually knows the intimate, crazy details that nobody else knows. It, the Bible says he knows the very hair count on your head. Some of us that's easy for and some of us harder for. And Jesus doesn't just want to be invited into your home like Martha did, but Jesus wants to do life with you. And we see that in the example of the next verse shows us, character B, it shows us Mary. And it says what Mary was doing. It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Reverse of that, we see that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had to, that had to be made. Can I tell you this? Longevity in our spiritual walk is dependent on how you spend time with Jesus. Let me say that again. Longevity in your spiritual race, your spiritual marathon, how far you will go in the faith is dependent on very few things. One of those things being your relational time with the relational God that's purchased you by the blood of Jesus on the cross. If you know God, then you know a God who longs to know you. If you don't know him, then he desires for you to know him the way that he knows you. And some of us, I feel like Martha would probably be in this category, feel a need to always be doing for God. You know, it's good to do things for God. I was talking to somebody before service. He said, I want to go to the food pantry. I said, next week. He said, great, go out there, serve. There's so much that comes from serving. There's so much that comes from being at worship nights or doing ministry or being in church or in a small group. There's so much good life that comes from that. Those are good things. But we don't have to do those things to be forgiven by God. We do those things because as scripture tells us to do those and because we want to have a fruitful, life-filled relationship with God. Sometimes we can come from backgrounds where we feel like we have to work for God's favor or we got to work for God's love or we got to work for God's forgiveness. I imagine, even though Martha was a believer, I imagine that she encompassed a little bit of that, like, I always need to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. And sometimes for us doers, we need to just sit at the feet of Jesus and don't stop, stop trying to give to Jesus and just receive from Jesus. Mary is taking a posture of sitting, and it says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You have to imagine that Martha's cooking up some good pozole, getting it going, the green type, not the red type, and she's getting it ready, and she's preparing it. She probably didn't expect the disciples and Jesus to come through. So, you know, Jesus and the disciples, hey, knock, knock, here we, here we are. Come on in. Yeah, 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 we want you. I didn't know you were going to be in Bethany at this time. Come in, Jesus. I should have been making this earlier in the morning. I didn't know. 
The passage says she's worried, she's upset, she's distracted by the preparations that have to be made. And this word distraction means dragged away. That's what it means in the original language. She's dragged away. Think about that. Think about what God is trying to tell us. We can be dragged away to even good things, but from the better thing that we're supposed to be doing. Not everything that's on your to-do list should be ranked equally. Hey, write out your to-do list, what you have to do for the week, but then you should come back to that list and say, listen, not all of these things will provide me with the results I'm looking for. Let me choose the three most things that are most important because not everything that you do or put time towards or energy towards or resources will give you the return on investment that you're looking for. What happens here is there can be not only bad things, listen, sin, worry, there's things that can drag you away from God. And we should watch out for the enemy who's prowling like a lion trying to kill, steal, and destroy our lives, right? He's out to get us. Be aware of that. Be looking. Be in community. Be guarded. Be on the foundation of Scripture. But we can also be dragged away by good things. Things that should be in our life but things that take the precedent of something else that is more important. See, Martha's going around, making the food, getting the decoration. I got to, you know, put this all together. And Jesus here, the disciples, I hope Judas likes the pozole. And, you know, she's getting it all ready. She's preparing this. And Mary's sitting there. And what the scripture is telling us, what Jesus is telling us, is what, Mar what Martha was doing was good, but what Mary was doing was better. That sometimes we are so overwhelmed as Christians with the worry and the distraction of the world. We're so overwhelmed. We're sweating. And I don't know what's going to happen with this and this. And, 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 and we look at other people and we get upset with them. But what Jesus is asking us to do sometimes is stop running around being distracted by everything and just do something really simple. Just sit. He said, we don't know, I have so much, no, no, no. Jesus knows exactly what you're doing, what you're going through, what's on your list. But he realizes that this relationship with him, a posture of getting low, a posture of humility, a posture of submission, uh, an ear that's open to say, Jesus, I'm here to listen to you, Jesus. And you know what sitting does for us when we sit in one place? It's hard to be running around when Jesus has called us to sit and just listen. Martha's running around distracted by all the worries of the world, and she's a believer of Jesus. You can live as a Christian with anxiety and worry wreaking havoc on your life. And it's a real thing that a lot of us battle with. And you know what part of the solution is? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and being reminded of the truth of his word and to the sound, solid foundation for our feet. And you're just able to connect with Jesus. You're just able to talk with him through prayer. You're just, there's something about being in the presence of Jesus that just brings peace and joy and love into my life that I need. And yet my life is so much, I'm running around. And Jesus has been telling me this season, Josiah, would you stop being distracted and running around and worried about everything? Maybe the solution you're looking for is not in another strategy meeting. Maybe it's in sitting down and just saying, Jesus, I'm here, and I don't have all the answers. 
but I'm here before you. I'm in your word. I'm spending time with you, and I need this daily because I can't love my wife in the way I need to. Jesus, I'm stepping into fatherhood. I don't even know what that's all going to entail. I need you, Jesus, and I need to know who you are so that when I go through the storms, I need to read about it in Scripture. So when I go through the storms, I know your character. Even though the storm and the wind is raging around me, I know that your character doesn't change, Jesus, and I need to be reminded of that on a daily basis in your presence with you, talking with you. That is what's going to sustain me. There's nothing else that comes close to just being at the feet of Jesus. It's not only keeping focused on that which matters most, but number two, the right priority, write this down, the right priority helps sustain a good attitude and right perspective. Listen to what it says next. Mary's sitting, Martha's cooking, or whatever she's doing. Martha came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I want you to see the picture here because I don't know why I envision it in my old house, but you know, you have... Right, we're just using for our example. You got Martha cooking up the pot of pozole, and she's throwing in all the little ingredients, and she's running around. I didn't think Jesus was going to be here today. I, I wasn't prepared. She's throwing in the spices, and this is going to take another thirty minutes. And I, I hope this works out well. And she's going back and forth. She is stressed out. I mean, she. That's about worried, upset. I didn't think who's gonna gotta get all the forks right for Jesus. He wants a salad fork here, and the napkin needs to be. I don't hope Peter likes it, and because I know he likes red pozole better. And let's work this out. And she's so stressed out. And I just picture it like this: as she's going back and forth, she just kind of almost like a slow motion sees her sister in the other room. She's stressing out, sweating, cooking this, feels the weight of trying to make a meal for Jesus, right? And she sees her sister sitting around, and she just can't believe it. She feels like there's an injustice. She feels like, how could she do that to me in my moment? Award-winning Pasole, and she's going to ruin it for me. You know, when we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, the first thing to go is our patience for others. When we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, the first thing to go is our filter towards our spouse. Uh Uh-oh. When we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, the first thing to go is not our, the first thing to go is our peace that we have from God, and it's quickly replaced by worry and anxiety about everything that needs to go on in our life. See, when we avoid sitting at the feet of Jesus, we start getting the Martha syndrome, where we start to feel a little bit of self-pity. No one, I mean, think about before, here's what's even crazier, before she starts with others, she starts with God. And she doesn't have to look up to God. Don't you care? She just like write to Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus? 
It's a bad way to go about things. And we say, that would never be us. But how many times, how many times have we in the middle of being so stressed out, we're worried about our career and our kids and they're getting in the right school and this and all this is going on. And we just like, somebody asks us and we just snap on them. It's like, God, don't you care that, you know, I lost my job or my kids aren't getting into the school or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to apply for this. And we're like, don't you care, God? Sometimes our emotions, which our emotions aren't a bad thing, can lead us to say crazy things about God. Sometimes our emotions can lead us to question the character of God, even though he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sometimes our emotions and the stress and our worry and our distraction can lead us to questioning the character of God and who he is and how he's always been good. And then it quickly moves to other people around us. If you find yourself disturbed by people or bothered by people around you, I can tell you, typically that's one of the indications that you're not being filled at the feet of Jesus. Let me say that again. If you find yourself short, impatient, bothered with people in your life that typically you're not that way, you may have to ask yourself and evaluate how much time have you spent sitting at the feet of Jesus, refilling the vessel that you are with the love and the patience and the joy that you need to be able to pour out to those around you in the way that you want to? Because I know for myself, if I avoid this area that I desperately need in my life for even just a few days, I start seeing a part of me and a side of me that I'm like, God, change that part of me. And it starts back at the feet of Jesus. Martha asks, don't you care? She had self-pity. But really quickly, she loses her attitude, her good attitude, and her right perspective. And when we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, but we continue to do good things, in other words, when we continue to exercise, but we don't have a good diet, it doesn't lead to a good outcome. I found myself sometimes that I... Because I've learned the discipline, like many of you, of serving in ministry, being there on Tuesday night. We're, we're, come on, small group leaders. I know there's some of you in here that even sometimes when you feel empty, you show up anyways because you're going to be there and you're going to trust God. And even sometimes when you feel low, but I've been in seasons where I just, I haven't felt as close to God as I want to, or as full as I want to, or as filled to be able to give to others as I want to. And very quickly, if I keep serving, but I'm not sitting at the feet, I lose my joy of serving. I'm giving, giving, pouring out, pouring out. But if you're going to pour out this much, you need to be filled up that much. And sometimes I've, I've seen brothers and sisters pour out, pour. And say, I don't know if I can keep going. And, and I, I, I can follow the trail back to. And I just want to ask them. I said, but how's your time with Jesus going? Oh, I studied for the lesson. No, 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 no. You, you saw you heard me wrong. I'm not just asking you how you prepare for your small group. I'm asking how is your pers personal, intimate, close relationship with Jesus? Are you spending time with him outside of prepping for a lesson and prepping for a night? And are you seeking him just because you want to know him more and you need him more? And he's the dad that you've always longed for, except he's perfect in every single way. When you long for him in that way, you can keep serving and giving and pouring out, even with a spouse that doesn't know Jesus. They can't stand your faith. They're a weight, an anchor pulling you down. I, I was talking with, 
I've talked with a lot of different, a lot of different women, a lot of different men, specifically women who their husband is not living for God. He doesn't want anything to do with them. And sometimes they how do you keep going? That's a heavy thing to carry sometimes where they just don't want, or there's a lot of things going on at home and they say, I just spend time with Jesus. He is the sustainer of my soul. And without him, I can't serve, I can't love, I can't give in the way that I need to. He is the everything that I need. Last but not least, let's not miss this final verse here. The right priority makes a complex life more simple. Listen, our world is changing faster than it's ever changed before. There is so much happening. There is so much to figure out. There's so many balls that each and every one of us are juggling, and it just seems like we keep getting thrown more balls. How do we keep all of this up? Jesus says it's not about keeping all of this up. It's about keeping one thing up. Listen to what he says in the passage. Martha, Martha. Martha's expecting Jesus to be on her side. Right? I heard Jesus talk about serving. Serving's good. I'm serving Jesus. It's good food. Like all of this, Jesus is going to be on my side and he's going to tell my sister, you better get over there and help your sister out. And I'm going to walk away like, yeah. But that's not how Jesus responds. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered with compassion. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You're juggling so much, Martha, and you are so worried and stressed about everything that's going on in your life. And Jesus says, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. He says, you think all these are of the same value, but really, Martha, what you need to be focused on is not all of the things. You need to be focused on one thing that affects all of those things more than you could possibly imagine, and that is your relationship with me. He says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'll tell you what. If that was me with my sibling, that would be a moment that I would never live down in my lifetime. Like, can you imagine if that was your sibling, if they're like, hey, you got to do this, but do you remember that one time? <laughs> when you were running around, doing all this stuff, the pasole, you got to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus kind of told you, like, Need to sit down with Mary. Remember, he said that you got to sit next to me. Next to me. I just feel like if that was my brother, like I never lived that down. Remember that one time Jesus just came. He's like, you got to sit down. <laughs> Mary has chosen what is better. In others, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, service is good. Doing these things are good, but it's never better than spending time with me and your relationship with me. That is what, listen to what he's saying. He said, you're trying to juggle. He says, listen, you're trying to juggle all this that's going on. If you just focus on your relationship with me, I will work all of those things out. But Jesus, what, what about this? What, 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 are you saying drop this? I can't do that. Jesus is like, listen, listen, stop worrying about trying to control everything in your life. Just worry about one thing, your relationship with me. Make sure that is fruitful, that that is full, that you are getting filled by me, that you are spending time with me. And I will make sure that every other area in your life is fruitful as well. But if you get that area wrong, everything else will be off. 
See, Jesus is making our complex world so simple. He's not saying, get this and this and this and this and juggle this and can. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, listen, it's not about all of that. Stop trying to be Martha. Stop trying to juggle everything in your life and control it like a little mini God. He's saying, just submit to me. Spend time with me. Value my relationship with you more than anything else. And I will make every path in your life straight. I love that Jesus takes the complexity of my life and just says, Josiah, it's just one thing. But Jesus, it's just one thing. There's many things and there's one thing and there was a choice that was better and Mary chose that. Let me finish with this story. One of our, one of our uh, elders here, sitting over here, I won't point to him. Um, Brother Nick brother Nick. Right there. Get him. Yeah. We were over here. I, this had to be two years ago or something like that. And, and uh, we were doing some elder prayers after service. And Nick was over here. And I remember he was telling me that a couple went up to him. And um, I don't know where the husband, I think the husband felt like his faith was off at that point and the wife was bringing him forward and they were going to try to talk with Nick, just wanted some prayer. And Nick, you know, Nick was, the spirit of God was helping Nick discern the situation a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I think you need to pray for this and that. And, and, and Nick, while they're praying, the Lord gives Nick these visions every once in a while. Don't go up, go, don't go up to him after service. It's not a magic trick. <laughs> but the Lord gives Nick these visions and here's why he gives them. He gives them to help people understand their situation. And I vividly remember this because it was really clear when Nick told me. He said, they're praying, Nick had the vision, and then he, he opened his eyes after the prayer, and he said to the guy, he didn't know this guy, he said, hey, I had a, a vision, and there was a garage, and there was a wooden table in the garage, and there was two chairs on each side of the table, one here and one here. And he said, there was one chair that was empty, and there was another chair. He said, I couldn't see God, but I knew it was God sitting in the chair. Like it was just this, this glow, but I couldn't, you know, see, but I could tell God was sitting in the chair. And he said, um, I don't know if that means anything to you, but this is the picture that I saw, you know, here, I'm just going to kind of deposit that and share that with you. This guy looks over at his wife, like, what'd you tell him? <laughs> like, what'd you tell him? He's like, she's like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, this first time I'm meeting him, I'm just coming up like... And, and he said, this is the craziest thing that you've said this. He said, he said, in my garage, I have a table, a wood table with two chairs. And he said, in that garage, he said, that's the table that I would spend the time with the Lord at. And he said, every, I used to, every morning I used to wake up, used to go to the table, open my Bible on that table and sit there and just spend devotional time with God. And he's like, I haven't done that in a long time. And, and Nick said, well, listen, I can clearly tell you what God is saying to you then. God is saying you need to go back to that table and spend time with God. That God is saying that while you are sitting there at the table with your Bible open thinking, well, I'm just reading a couple verses. No, you are communing with the God of the Bible. You are communing with the God... The, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That wasn't just something you did. That was your relational time with Jesus on the other side of the table, soaking in his words, sitting at his feet, just hearing the words of Jesus, praying to Jesus. See, God is a relational God. When you open up the Bible, it's not just you reading some words or read some words. It's God communicating to you. And I believe 
that there's some of us in this room that have an empty chair in our house that's been sitting empty and cold for far too long. That maybe there's a chair in the garage or maybe there's a chair in the back porch. It's a little cold there. Maybe there's a chair in your sitting room or in your bedroom or it's in your living room and the kids are gone and that's your time when you spend just that intimate time with God and God's just sitting on the couch next to you even though you can't see him. And some of us have pushed it off. I don't have time in this season. Got too much going on. I'm climbing up the career ladder. Later, God, I'll get back around to it or what's it doing for me? And God today is saying to you, meet me again in the place that we used to meet. Meet me again in that chair in the garage where we used to sit and talk. And you would just express what you're going through and the hardship and the heaviness. Meet me again in that empty chair that you haven't visited in so long. Meet me again where we used to talk and share life together. Meet me again in that place that has gone cold for too long. Would you stand with me? God doesn't want you to read the Bible or pray just because you're like, this is just, I know that Christians are supposed to do this. No, that is our way of connecting with God. That's our way of connecting with God. And some of you guys have been in a spiritual slumber. Listen, I know because sometimes I go into it too. And you don't have the passion for the things that you once used to have. You don't have the drive for the spiritual things that you once to have. You don't have the patience that you used to have for people in your life. You feel like you're running dry, but you don't know what to do. And God is saying, would you meet me where we used to meet? Would you meet me once again in the spot that we used to spend time together in? See, what God is saying is, God, I want to meet you in the place that we do life and relationship together. That's my place where I pour into you. That's the place where I listen to you. That's the place where I connect with you. That's the place where I give you what you need for your spouse, and you don't even know it, but that's the place. That's the place where I give you the wisdom that you need in your workplace that you think that you don't have time for because there's so much things going on, but it's failing, and you're wondering why. It's because I used to give you the wisdom right in that place in the morning before you left for work. Meet me in that place that you used to meet me and fill the empty chair once again. I'm waiting. I never left. Meet me there again. Make me the priority. Not one of the priorities, not in the list of things you're doing, but make me the priority and watch how I straighten out your life. I'm going to open up the altar for someone that's saying, not just I hear you today, God, but is willing to take the action step of saying, God, I'm going to start filling that chair again. And I'm going to start meeting you in the place that I haven't met you in before or a long time. And I'm going to meet you there, God, because I know you're there and I know you haven't left. I know that God is speaking to people in the room right now so clearly, so I'm not going to hesitate. If God is calling you to do that, I'm going to invite you forward to just kneel down. You may even just want to sit as a symbol before God 
and just say, God, I'm going to meet you again. If that's you, come forward. Don't stall. Just come forward. This is you and God. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud or come on stage, but if that's you, I want you to come forward and say, God, maybe you just need to go like this. 